You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fansided and Pro Football Weekly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. And you can find all the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It is Monday, and we are going to continue our rookie orientation series today with Josh Jackson, Chad Leistico from the Des Moines Register and the Press Citizen is going to give you everything you need to know about the Packers' second-round pick, someone who fell to the 45th overall selection. And it seems like when you look at the grades for the Packers and you look at the fan reaction for the draft, it's interesting that Jair Alexander who was the Packers' first-round pick and who the Packers traded up into the first round to get has been taking a back seat to Josh Jackson because he was the big-name player at the cornerback position that Packer fans had targeted, and that's because they see a big ball-hawking corner and they think that's exactly what the secondary needs. And they're right. They're absolutely right. And I had Josh Jackson as the better corner of the two. But Alexander was very close. Very close. I mean, within four or five players. And in terms of my overall board. And I think it's it's not just possible but likely that Alexander plays more as a rookie simply because you're going to see him in in the nickel role now during rookie orientation, which we're going to talk very little about because... It's not even a practice. It's just sort of like meet the meet the guys. Here are the coaches. Here are some of the the routes that we're going to run. And it was basically just to get a feel for who these guys are, what they're about. The coaches got to see them. They got to meet the coaches. They got to go through the facilities. This is all going to be sorted out. Mini camp comes in in June. There's OTAs first. That's going to start at the end of the month. There's a couple of those little little snippets, and then we get full-on mini camp and then training camp. So this is going to drag out, and we we learned very little from rookie orientation. We you know we we heard and saw these players. We heard Mike McCarthy talk about some of them. We talk about we heard Mike McCarthy talk about the need to get bigger, and obviously they did that. Jamon Moore, Valdez Scandling, Equinemius St. Brown, all those guys are huge. And Oren Burks is 6'3", 233. Now, he's not big, big, like thick. But 6'3", for a linebacker, that's pretty good size. With the exception of Jair Alexander, they got big players at every position. And Josh Jackson is one of those guys. And he he played in the nickel in some of the, the drills that they did. Now, whether that has meaning, we don't know. He played in the slot. And he played on the outside. They rotated. And and Brian Gutekunst talked about wanting to have that flexibility, wanting to be able to have each guy play both 
positions, which I think is going to be crucial because Green Bay is going to want to play press man coverage. They're going to want to match up their corners. And are they going to flip? Are they going to play sides? We'll see. But if they are able to, what they could do is against a team that has mostly big receivers, for example, your slot doesn't have to be the sort of traditional slot size, someone like Jair Alexander, who's who's a little bit shorter, with the better short area quickness. If you're playing a team like Atlanta, who's going to put Julio Jones in the slot a fair amount, then you want someone like Josh Jackson who can play in the slot, and you put him out there. This gives the Packers defense flexibility. Jackson can play. He played in the dime package, played in the slot early in his career, played behind some NFL talent, which you'll hear Chad talk about. And I understand why fans are are more excited about Jackson than Alexander. I want to remind you, this is obviously a, a podcast about Jackson, but I want to remind you, Jair Alexander is exceedingly talented. And he was the number one corner in the draft for Mike Mayock, for a number of of people, a number of teams. And so I just, I don't want him to get lost in the shuffle in all of this. And Alexander will take it as as a slight and he will use it to motivate him. And that's, that would be great. That's not a reason to do it. But Jackson fell in the draft because of the speed, 4-5-5. That's pretty slow for a corner. But he's huge. He's long-armed. He's incredibly instinctive. He's got a 40-inch vertical jump. There's a reason why he's been compared to Richard Sherman because Richard Sherman also ran four fives and uses his instincts, his physicality, and his leaping ability, plus his ball skills, former receiver, just like Jackson, to be a ball-hawking corner. Now, Jackson is going to have to learn how to play a little bit more press. That's, that's going to be the big adjustment for him, but he can do it. We saw him do it at rookie camp, at the orientation, and it's going to be something that he'll have to improve on but that's another way to mitigate a lack of speed is if you can reroute receivers at the line of scrimmage, you get your hands on guys, you're going to disrupt the timing, and it's less likely that someone's going to be able to beat you down the field if you're able to get your hands on him. That's why Richard Sherman doesn't get beat deep. Now that and he has Earl Thomas patrolling the back end, but you don't see guys get behind Sherman because he's constantly getting after them at the line of scrimmage, getting his hands on them, and not allowing them to get to full speed. If you're getting bullied in that first five yards, that window, and Josh Jackson can bully you if he wants, and he learns, then the speed is less important. And he is incredibly athletic overall, given his size. Again, spark score, top 10 percentile athlete at the cornerback position. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop talking about it because I'm going to let Chad do that. Someone who has followed him the last few years, followed his career at Iowa, Before we get to Chad, though, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, and you'll be entered to win our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value. Gets you access to player grades, snap counts, position ranks, fantasy projections, rankings, tools, charts, NFL draft coverage, Pro Football Focus Fantasy, Daily Fantasy, all sorts of articles. It's all there for you for free if you win our contest, and you can win our contest First, by entering with your name and your Twitter handle in a review, preferably with five stars, on iTunes. All right, Chad Lysico is a sports columnist for the Des Moines Register, 
For the Press Citizen, you can follow him on Twitter at Chad Leistico. That's L-E-I-S-T-I-K-O-W. I know a thing or two about a name with a K-O-W in it. And I know a thing or two about people pronouncing your name wrong. So I, I made sure I got it right. Chad, thanks for joining Locked on Packers. Yeah, glad to be here. So uh, you wrote this really interesting story about Iowa Hawkeyes in the draft and how NFL teams that use a high or high-ish pick on Hawkeyes end up getting at least solid NFL players. And that will be no surprise to Packer fans who have seen Brian Bulaga, Micah Hyde, and some and, and some of these guys come through uh, the program, now come through the Packers program. Josh Jackson, the latest of those guys. So when you when you look at Josh Jackson, the player, one year of experience or big level experience, what what has been your impression of his time at Iowa? Well, I would tell you, Peter, that uh, even before he became a starter, now a lot of people are saying that he could be, you know, he's a one year wonder type of guy. We don't know what we're going to get in him. But I would say, you know, as somebody who's covered the team and gotten to go to open practices, et cetera. He, for years, that he, he's a guy that has stood out um, in the defensive backfield, making plays uh, in the secondary. Um, it was clear that he was uh, one of the most talented guys on that team, even as a redshirt freshman, um, with the, with his athleticism. Um, he was just behind some really good players at Iowa. So I think that the fact that um, he only started for one year, um, you know, he was playing behind a, a Jim Thorpe Award winner who returned for his senior year and kind of almost uh, sniped an extra year away from him. Uh, and Desmond King, who ended up, uh, you know, having a pretty strong rookie year with, with the L.A. Chargers. So uh, just off the top, I would say, um, yeah, he's he's more than a one year wonder, in my opinion. And, and, that, and he's just uh, uh, really probably the most dynamic playmaker um, in the defensive backfield that I've covered at Iowa. Yeah, one of, I was going to ask you about Desmond King because uh, obviously he, he went on to a, a pretty successful rookie campaign even after falling in the draft, or at least falling in my opinion. I was he was a player that I was much higher on than the league was. What was that? What was that relationship like with those two? Uh, real good. I mean, actually, Josh uh, probably benefit. I mean, the Packers are going to benefit from Desmond King's decision to stay at, at Iowa because. Uh, that gave Josh another year to kind of learn under Desmond. Um, and, and he was a really good leader, uh, probably one of the most sound technical defensive backs um, that you would see coming out of college. He just uh, he ended up starting, I think, 51 games in his Iowa career, Desmond King did, um, compared to Josh's 14. Um, but, yeah, Josh had to kind of grow up a little bit at Iowa. He had um, um, an inc- not an incident, but uh, the, he and Akram Wadley had a uh, throw party um, their redshirt freshman year and got into a lot of trouble for that. It wasn't uh, you know, no major arrests or anything, but um, you know, as far as Iowa was concerned, um, it was a little bit out of control. So he kind of grew up. He matured while he was at Iowa, and uh, and yeah. he you know kind of became a, a leader on this team and, and a really impressive um, student in the game as well. Well, I was going to ask you about that because you wrote a piece uh, it, during the season about the ascension of of Josh Jackson and. Uh, it, it is mentioned that the Outback Bowl was a turning point where he really he started to realize the value of of film study and and all of that. Can you just give me a little bit more background there? Yeah, well, uh, he he kind of was Iowa's uh, he was in Iowa's dime packages for a couple of years. Um, his his fresh registered freshman and sophomore years 
uh, playing behind, like I mentioned, Desmond King and another guy named Greg Mabin, um, who started 35 games at Iowa. Um, so he was a three-year starter, and he, he was with the 49ers last year. Um, but, yeah, so he only got his first career start in the Outback Bowl when uh, Greg Mabin was injured, and uh, he was out for the season at that point. And uh, he, you know, he ended up emerging um, in that game a little bit, and then he really kind of put his pedal to the metal in the offseason after that. I think he kind of understood the opportunity was going to be there. Um, Iowa lost its top two senior cornerbacks. And, um, you know, at, at that point, he was just trying to win a starting job because Iowa had three kind of capable guys that were battling for two spots. And uh, uh, Kirk Ferentz even says, kind of looking back, that he um, he kind of had the offseason you would want to see from a guy and just really kind of elevated his game. And, and obviously that was true even in, in game one of the season. Um, intercepted Josh Allen on a really nice um, – on an out route where he just kind of undercut the receiver, read the route, and returned at 41 yards. So – um, he kind of started strong and then he finished strong. Uh, Iowa ends up uh, breaking a seven-year bowl losing streak with him uh, recording the, the clinching interception in the pinstripe bowl. So he was kind of a big game player too, which I think uh, Packers fans will like about him. Yeah, that was the interesting thing. Jason Wilde wrote a, um, a piece in the Wisconsin State Journal about Jackson where he was he – was some, at some point in the offseason, he was given the chance to answer his best game. And for a guy that returned two interceptions for touchdowns against Wisconsin and had a three-pick game against Ohio State, he said mm. Minnesota because he felt like that was his best man-to-man coverage game. And I, I just thought that was a really great answer from a 22-year-old to, to, to think of it that way, that he was it was more about the process than the outcome for him. And I just thought, hmm, that that, that made me take up and, and – or stand up and take notice of his attitude a little bit because I really liked that way of, of seeing it. Uh, is that something that that you think is a consistent part of um, what has helped him elevate yeah, his an, game? That, I hadn't heard that answer, but that's interesting that he said that because um, I'm thinking back to that Minnesota game now, and I um, um, completely 100% agree. He was he was dynamic in that game. Now Minnesota doesn't have a you know, didn't have a great quarterback by any means last year. Uh, but I'm I'm thinking of several pass breakups he had in that game off the top of my head. I don't even think he had an interception in that game. He may have, but I don't think he did. And um, I'm thinking of one play where he, he kind of uh, was all over his guy in coverage and got a hand on the ball, and then a teammate intercepted it um, in the end zone for a touchback. And so, um, yeah, that he, he does kind of have that, uh, that team attitude. The other thing I would say about him is – He's real low key. Um, when you get to interview him, he's not going to be the greatest quote, but um, he uh, just real quiet confidence about him. Um, in that article you referenced earlier, um, you know, I was kind of interested to, to learn that he high jumped seven feet in high school, and he, this is a guy that's six feet six foot tall mm-hmm. um, at combine measurement, and so um, you know his his jumping ability is legit, um, and that's one of the reasons. He had so many pass breakups this year. He was able to just elevate and uh, knock down balls, even when he was maybe beat a little bit um, with, you know, not the elite speed that you would look for in, a, in maybe a top four pick like Denzel Ward. Well, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons you've heard the comparisons to Richard Sherman because the four five forty time, but he jumps forty inches at his pro day and, and and has these incredible instincts. It's interesting that you said he's a quiet guy. That's a little bit surprising having only watched him play. 
yeah. he does play with a, with a swagger and a confidence that I think is is you'd expect him to be a little bit more brash off the field too. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see you know if that evolves at all when, once he gets to the NFL level. But um, he was certainly pretty uh, low key with us. Uh, you know, we really only interviewed him out you know for a, a full season. He was only a starter for one season. He wasn't really on our radar that much um, in the media before that. Um, but also, I will say, I would say half the the last from, from November and December, um, every time we talked to him, he knew we were going to ask if he was going to go pro early. So he was probably more <laughs> guarded in that regard as well. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I've talked to his family um, quite a bit too for stories I've done with him this last year and leading up to the draft. And um, it's pre- he's pretty – he's kind of a, a low-key guy. He'll just he, – just chilling is kind of his answer for what's going on. And uh, that's kind of mm-hmm. his demeanor as well off the field. One of the weird things that happened over the course of the offseason for him was this sort of puzzling combine performance. It wasn't so much a, a problem with his measurables, although he ran a little slower than than you would like. Uh, it was th- some of the drills he had to start and stop, and he didn't quite know what was going on. Did did you ever get a sense of of what that was about with him? And and uh, I had I had been told that th- that was a motivating factor for him to show out at his pro day. Yeah, you know, I, I would say that's an outlier. I just wonder um, – I don't have an explanation um, for that, but I just uh, – yeah, maybe maybe he actually had a little bit of jitters. I don't know because um, that's very, very puzzling because, uh, you know, Iowa, the way they coach their guys, they it's it's pretty complex to get on the field um, the way they do it. And they, um, they have a pretty solid reputation for developing – uh, pro-ready defensive backs. I mean, you mentioned Micah Hyde right off the top here, um, and he was he was not one of those high draft picks that that um, you know I, I mentioned in that article. He was a fifth rounder, right. I think, and uh, yep, and and he developed obviously into a I think a Pro Bowler this year for Buffalo. So uh, Iowa kind of has that much to Packer fans chagrin. <laughs> um, but a quick sidebar, Micah Hyde. By the way, Kirk Ferentz has said a few times on the record that. If Iowa had, had made him a wide receiver, he would have been their all-time leading receiver. He was that good at that position, but they need I remember the defensive that. backfield. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know what the explanation would be um, on Jackson Pro Day. I was um, perplexing a little bit, but I think that's an outlier. I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Uh, one of the things that um, Packer fans are going to – or the coaches are going to expect him to do is play more press man coverage. Uh, at Iowa, they, they played – a mix of coverages, as you said, and it's and it's a, a solid defensive scheme. Um, is that the kind of thing that you think that that he's built for, that he can come up and get in guys' faces? I mean, obviously, from a body standpoint, he is, but from a mentality standpoint, from a from a toughness standpoint, he, I mean, he said uh, in an interview recently that he knows he needs to tackle better, that Green Bay expects him to tackle better, and and, and they're going to ask him to do these other things. Can he adapt to that? You know, I think he can, but I, I do think that that is going to be something to watch. Um, that's an area he definitely needs to, to grow in. Um, you know, if you're looking for a little bit of comfort level on this, um, number one, Iowa plays a lot of zone. Um, that's basically what they play. Um, and so he's always on uh, 90% of the time. On the le- he lined up at the left side of the field, mm-hmm. the left cornerback. Iowa doesn't flip its guys to match up on the best receivers. Well, against Purdue, the next last next to last game of the year – at home, um, they started going at the guy opposite Jackson, who who 
just was not in the game mentally um, at that point. And they and they subbed him out to um, subbed him out for another guy who then got burned as well. <laughs> and then finally, they just said, OK, Josh, we don't even really do this, but we're going to flip you to the right side of the field and you're going to play man coverage on, on this receiver for Purdue. And he didn't have another catch the rest of the game. So that um, unfortunately for Iowa fans, those two touchdown passes cost him the game. Uh, when Josh wasn't on that guy, but uh, but that showed me that he can do it when pressed into a situation. Yeah, just a little bit, um, if you can, a little bit of insight on on uh, on Jackson's background. Um, you, you could go read the article that that Chad did on on Josh Jackson, uh, a no hitter as a as a baseball pitcher in little league and and as you said a track star yeah. uh and and then didn't get a chance really to to be the guy until his senior year but um you mentioned it a little bit he he waited in the wings and he got better uh just uh, give me a little bit of of insight on on josh jackson the kid yeah that's kind of uh he's very he's kind of a finisher is kind of how his mom described him in that in that piece that i wrote mm-hmm. that's kind of how he approached you know his redshirt junior year at Iowa I mean I'm sure most Packers fans listening to this know he declared early it was a big uh, it it was a pretty rapid rise for him Um, but he uh, you know he didn't sit out the bowl game anything like that Um, he wanted to uh, finish what he started and that's kind of where I started that piece about how when he was 11 years old he he uh, you know threw a no hitter um, and finished that off um, with kind of that determination um, in his mind. And that's kind of what he, that's kind of what he brings to the table. And that's actually kind of what, um, the Iowa program, um, I think a lot like the Wisconsin program too, um, you know, picks up a lot of those types of guys and and tries to get them develop to develop, um, and uses that as motivation. So yeah, he's a finisher. Uh, obviously you mentioned big game player too, three interceptions against Ohio state, two against Wisconsin. Um, just a determined young man. I don't think he's going to, uh, come into Green Bay and coast by any means. Um, I think he's going to want to prove himself uh, at the next level. In a crowded quarterback room, so he will have to do that. Chad, where can people find more of the work that you do? Yeah, uh, hawkcentral.com is kind of our home base for um, um, capturing um, the coverage. You know, my, my stuff appears in the Des Moines Register um, here in Iowa and, and the Iowa City Press Citizen, which is where the University of Iowa is located. So, uh, yeah, hawkcentral.com. And I imagine given the Packers' um, affinity for Hawkeyes, uh, <laughs> you may be reading about future draft picks uh, in the future. Indeed. And, and I didn't even mention, and, and don't tell him I didn't mention, Mike Daniels uh, <laughs> off the top. I did not put him in that list, and he's the best former Iowa Hawkeye that's on the Packers roster. Uh, maybe the best former Iowa Hawkeye in him a long time, frankly. Yeah. Uh, Chad, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, you bet. And he was a fourth rounder, by the way. So, um, you yeah, know, he... And he's had a great career, um, you know, even as a fourth rounder. So pretty impressive. Thanks. For Absolutely. Me. Thanks for having me. You are listening to Locked On Packers on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local daily sports podcast network. Catch up on everything from around the league with Locked On NFL and Locked On NFL Draft. Thanks again to Chad for joining us. I think Packer fans, again, they're really excited about Josh Jackson, and they should be. He's someone who's going to battle for playing time right away. And and are the jobs of roster spots, not even jobs, are the roster spots of someone like Quentin Rollins and Devon House safe on this team? I'm not sure. They already traded 
a former Thompson pick, Demarius Randall, a former first-round pick, showing a willingness to move on from players who don't produce. And Quentin Rollins, just because he was a high pick, doesn't mean his roster spot is assured by any means. And Devon House, just because he was signed in the offseason, it's not like it would cost them anything to just cut him. He may not make this team. If Alexander and Jackson and Le- and Lindsey Pipkins are with Kevin King and Tremont Williams, the best five, and they only want to keep five, one of those guys might not make the roster. Now, that seems unlikely. I think they'll keep a lot of corners, especially when two of them are rookies. One of them is a second-year player coming off injury. We'll see what happens there. But Jackson could be the reason that one of these veterans is just not around anymore. All right, we will continue our rookie orientation series uh, probably not Wednesday, but we will have more of these. I want to bring you some of these uh, these later round players: Jamon Moore, Equinemius St. Brown. I'm I'm efforting bringing in some people who can help us get to know these guys a little bit better ahead of mini camps and OTAs. And and I I want I want you to have a good understanding of who these guys are and what to expect from them before we actually get a chance to see them on the field. Two days in an orientation is not enough. Did you did you learn anything in orientation on the first day of class? No. All you learned was, does this classroom have AC? That was pretty much all you're able to learn on orientation day because it is just everyone sort of getting to know what's going on. And so we're not going to make any sort of player evaluations based on two days of quasi-practice. We're just not going to do that. As we move forward and as, as there are real practices and once the veterans get out on the field, That is when we can start to say things about these players. Remember last year, Josh Jones was tremendous in these spring practices. And then when the games came around, did not produce at that level. So temper your expectations. Be aware that these guys are rookies and you shouldn't expect them to be world beaters right away. But the Packers should have high expectations. This is a Super Bowl contending team. They should feel that way. And there are still moves to be made. There are June 1 cuts. There are going to be other teams trimming down their rosters, and the Packers can find those players to help them a little bit here and there. They did it with Ahmad Brooks. They did it with Quinton Dial last year. Will they do it again? We'll see. And if they do, we will talk about it. If they don't, we'll talk about it. If there's players out there that are to, that are that could be had and Green Bay doesn't have them, we'll talk about that as well. Remember to follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. All of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. My content at AcmePackingCompany.com, Fansided.com, and ProFootballWeekly.com. All there for you so you can stay Locked on Packers.